We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And they did it, folks. Now, they haven't done everything yet, but they did it. Beating the Seahawks in Seattle 21-13, to securing the NFC West, becoming the first team in the NFL to clinch their division. The 49ers are headed to the playoffs. And after a relatively shaky start, it's been crazy to watch the 49ers rattle off what I believe now is seven wins in a row. If I'm not mistaken, I would have to check the schedule. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check it again right now because it's fun. So starting off, they were yeah. Were they three and four starting off? One, two, three, four, and one, two. Yeah, three and four starting off. They have since rattled off one. Let's let's even get you even more detailed. One win over the Rams. One win over the Chargers. A win over the Cardinals. A win over the Saints. A win over the Dolphins. A win over the Buccaneers. And now a win over the Seahawks. Pretty impressive little stretch right there. 49ers have three games remaining um, at home against the Commanders away against the Raiders in Las Vegas, and at home against the Cardinals on a date to be determined. So, man, what a crazy feeling. You know, what a a crazy, just watching it unfold, watching the team conduct himself. Obviously, rookie quarterback Brock Purdy at the forefront with another very, very, very solid game. I think that's a great way of describing it. Solid. Wasn't incredible. Didn't make quite as many, like, whoa plays, at least to the eye. I have discovered. Over the week, with the help of Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, uh, our should-be co-host, but he works for a greedy company, um, I discovered that Brock Purdy does a lot of very, not minor, but a lot of little things that lend to a bigger picture in the way that he conducts himself and how he just seems like 
a little more experienced than he is. Leading the 49ers to a win over the Seahawks. Sweeping the, sweeping Seattle for the first time since 2011. And now the spotlight turns toward the NFC as a whole. The 49ers are hot on the heels of the Vikings, who have the second seed. Right now, the, 40, uh, the, the Eagles hold on to the first seed in the first round by the Vikings at 10-3 and three have the second seed, and the 49ers at 10-4 and four have the third seed. The Vikings have a little bit of a schedule that could present the 49ers with an opportunity to get after the number two seed. The Vikings play the Colts at home, Giants at home, Packers away, and Bears away. While the 49ers, like I said, are playing Washington at home, away against the Raiders, Cardinals at home. The Cardinals that have since lost Kyler Murray for the season. So when the 49ers face the Cardinals again at the end of the season, it will be against what we presume will be Colt McCoy, unless some, you know, they don't have even worse luck. If they don't have 49ers type luck, we'll put it that way. So the 49ers are now in hot pursuit of the Vikings for that number two seed, which is important. You know, you're one seed higher and the only person that you would not host a home playoff game against is the Eagles, which I believe if that were the setup, they wouldn't face the Eagles until the NFC Championship, right? If they both kept winning. I really start to lose my mind when it comes to playoff seedings and how it goes. But, you know, it, 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 as a first-round buy, if the 49ers, or after the Eagles' first-round buy, if the 49ers secure that number two seed, they get to play the seventh-seed Giants in the first round of the playoffs. That Currently. The Vikings would have to play the sixth-seed Commanders. And at worst, in its current setup, the 49ers would play the Commanders to open up the playoffs in the wildcard round. So, either way, the 49ers are in great position. They can make that position a little bit better, like I said, and guarantee nothing but home playoff games all the way through the NFC Championship, I believe. Like I said, I, I don't think they would have the option of facing the Eagles until the championship game. So could be wrong on that. Don't beat me up if I am. Like I said, the, the whole seeding, tiebreakers, all that stuff gets rather tangled pretty quickly. But let's to the game. Let's get to the game. Brock Purdy has now aced, or nearly aced, like three tests against the Dolphins. He came in on short notice, led the 49ers to a win against the Buccaneers. He played against a very solid defense, led the 49ers to a convincing win. And now against the Seahawks, that man has walked into one of the most hostile environments in the NFL and led the 49ers to a win. In his three starts, and I should have just done the I should have just been a better host for you guys and done the math before I hit record on the mic. But I guess just being slightly sloppy and somewhat goofy and just a little bit weird is kind of the striking gold brand now, at least a little bit. Against the Dolphins and the Buccaneers, 
And this is a little different because there's a few stats in there from the little bit of time when he came in when the 49ers were getting beat up by Kansas City. I'll just I'll leave those in there. But so far, in those first two games, Brock Purdy had completed 67 of 67%, 45 passes for 461 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, if we eliminate the one that he threw at the end of the Kansas City game. I'm talking about, you know, as the man. Four touchdowns, one interception, one rushing touchdown. And then you go to today's stats, and he's he's playing at that exact same level. Today against the Seahawks, Purdy was 17 of 26 for 217 yards, 8.3 yards a clip. That's pretty good. Geno Smith was at 5.4. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 117 quarterback rating. The man, I believe that puts his total at six interceptions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Had a little bit of salmon in my throat. Yes, I ate some salmon before we got on here. I'm very fancy. Very sophisticated, if you will. Uh, six touchdowns, one interception. Seven touchdowns, if you include his rushing touchdown. The one interception. The man is playing legit football. And like I said, he's passed three solid tests. Coming in on short notice. Playing against a great defense playing in a hostile environment. And then as we learn more after this game, the oblique injury that Purdy was suffering from throughout the week was giving him legit pain. And Kyle Shanahan said after the game that there was a legit chance that Purdy wasn't going to be able to play and Josh Johnson was ready to go. Shanahan was not convinced that Purdy was going to be able to finish the game. So you're talking about box after box after box after box being checked by the very last pick of the draft in a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Has he proven his medal? I I don't believe so because I've said it to you guys a million times. Good players are good consistently. But so far, in his small sample size, Purdy has been good consistently. Does he have more to prove, you know, as these games ramp up? And, you know, obviously the ultimate test is a playoff atmosphere, playoff football. But I, I don't want to find any way of put a, putting a cloud in this man's flowers. Uh, putting a cloud in this man's sky or taking his flowers because I've just been nothing but impressed. And Purdy looked good, and he looked exactly what he's looked like in the other games. He looked solid. Was he without mistake? No. He had a, a very, what should have very clearly been an interception dropped by Quandre Diggs, missed a couple of throws, um, had a couple of throws dropped by players, um, one being Brandon Ayuk. But overall, I don't, I think it's impossible not to be impressed with Purdy and it just what he, what his story is, the improbability of what he's become. And I I mean, now you're looking at the 49ers being as of now, they are thrilled to put on a quarterback controversy this off season and let Brock Purdy and Trey Lance compete for that role. You know, I, 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 that's just one of the scenarios that could happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. Truly with Trey Lance, I'm assuming they would allow him to compete for the role. And then you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who at this point, now that Purdy's showing up, I'm assuming the 49ers won't necessarily have any qualms with letting Jimmy Garoppolo hit the open market. Not that they have a choice because he signed a a one-year deal with a no-tag clause, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Purdy against the Seahawks just looks solid in a hostile environment, playing through an injury. He just looks so comfortable and so calm. Even my mom who is an avid football fan, an avid 49ers fan, watches games every week, uh, but doesn't 
pride herself on her knowledge of the game or her knowledge of the players and, and the positions and stuff. But even she called me after the game was like, he just looks so calm. He just looks so in control. He doesn't look nervous or frazzled or no matter how many times the defenses are pressuring him against the Bucks, against the Seahawks, he's just doing his damn thing. You know, he's not in terms of his ability to evade pressure. When you watch that now, he's not top end fast, but he certainly is quick. And is is like in terms of a 40, his his zero to 10 seems very fast. He had converted a key third down in the game where he ran and slid uh, just across the marker and had the veteran wherewithal to hold the ball out in front of him when he started to slide. Because when you slide as a quarterback, the ball is down exactly where it's sitting when you start sliding, when something other than your feet or hands touch the ground. And Purdy knew this, so held the ball out in front of him when he slid, which clearly made all the difference in the world. And just a, an unbelievable performance from a guy who you just would not expect this. Nobody would expect this. You know, I tweeted before the game. I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to find it now because I tweet so many damn times during the game. Um, let me, let me just, it was just my thought before the game. I said, Brock Purdy exceeded all expectations against a strong defense last week against the Bucks. If he can do the same tonight in one of the most hostile environments in the NFL against a rival to win the division, oh boy. And that's still how I feel. Like that is another significant box that Purdy has now checked off. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? We also had big games from Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. Christian McCaffrey had 26 carries for 108 yards, and a lot of those were hard-earned yards, 4.2 yards a carry, one touchdown. He also had six catches for 30 yards. George Kittle. Hello, George Kittle. Now, look, I'm going to forgive you, George, because – I'm going against you in the first round of my fantasy playoffs. I had McCaffrey and Ayuk. Ayuk didn't do much. But McCaffrey kind of went toe-to-toe with, with Kittle in the points, to, points department. So we're okay. But, man, four catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns. The 49ers' first touchdown was this beautiful play where Brock Purdy pump fakes to the left on the motion man, pump fakes to the right on the McCaffrey out of the backfield. And then that just, you could tell if they were running anything close to like a two high safety or a two safety look, that just split them straight apart. And George Kittle went right down the middle, turned around, caught the ball, broke it to the outside, took it in for the score. They got him open, wide open again later in the evening um, where he beat two defenders to the inside, took it to the house, huge play. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. Still haven't really successfully done it, but whatever. I want you guys to watch that second George Kittle back. If you can, they showed a highlight during the game where Jordan Brooks, the linebacker that it seemed like was responsible for, for sticking with George Kittle and man. George Kittle leaked out behind him, got wide open, caught the pass and was running down the left sideline. And Jordan Brooks was just jogging behind him. He kind of was just jogging behind him going, shit, he's going to score. Okay. Not realizing that there were two defenders that had gotten in front of George Kittle, both of which made George Kittle break down and make them miss and break a tackle, slowing him down, 
And all of a sudden, you can see Seahawks linebacker Jordan Brooks realize, oh shit, I could have caught him. And all of a sudden, all the now he starts sprinting. But by that time, it's too late. George Kittle takes it into the end zone. Jordan Brooks is going to get obliterated in the film room. This that was one of those plays. I could see it in that replay that his linebacker coach, his defensive coordinator, maybe even the head coach. I don't know. Pete Carroll's a pretty positive guy. Is going to say what? the hell is this? Because if he would have ran after him, the moment George Kittle started to slow down to make those guys miss, Brooks would have probably been able to catch him and hit him from behind. But because he's just jogged back there, all defeated and shit, he never got a part of the play. He never made a play. The only thing he accomplished was embarrassing himself. And this is just really just the coach in me talking because I know that we broke down film with our middle schoolers in eighth grade and we had plays like this. That man is going to get eviscerated in the film room. I'm just thinking of that picture of Denzel Washington where he's like halfway smiling, halfway cringing, just trying to survive it. That is what Jordan Brooks is going to be doing in that film session because that was, that was ouch. That was ouch. So on offense, you had huge games from Christian McCaffrey, huge game from George Kittle, uh, even a huge game from Jawan Jennings who caught three passes for 31 yards. And at least two of them were for key third down conversions. One of them when the when Brock Purdy was throwing from their own end zone in the fourth quarter. Huge, huge catches. I don't know what it is about Juwan Jennings, but the 49ers love going to him on third down. Garoppolo did. Purdy does. It's just him. It's just his knack. I love it. Ayuk only finished with two catches for 19 yards. Quiet game for him, but kind of what I expected. The last game against the Bucks was the exact same. He only had two catches. One of them just happened for be to be for a big touchdown where Brandon Ayuk shook shook his defensive back out of his shoes. So overall, a great day for the offense. They were able to run the ball at five yards of carry. Jordan Mason, I didn't blame the 49ers for riding with Christian McCaffrey, especially with the, in a game with that much on the line. But Jordan Mason finally got to come in towards the end of the game. Four carries for 64 yards. He broke a 55-yarder to ice the game, and that man was headed for the end zone, even though I could guarantee you his entire sideline was yelling, slide! because And of course, he wants his first score. If that is, I don't believe he scored. I'd have to look. He might have. He seems like a perfect short yardage back, but McCaffrey's been doing okay in that department. Now, a lot of people would say, well, why do you want him to slide? Why not just score and extend the lead, and it's essentially the same thing. Here's a problem with that. If you score, yes, you extend your lead, but then you are required to kick the ball back to the Seahawks, who now possess the ball, and by some miracle, and it's not that big of a miracle because the Seahawks scored in like a minute and a half in the drive before this, but would have to but they possess the ball. That's the point. If you if you slide, the Seahawks no longer get to touch the football. But if you score, yes, it extends your lead, but then you have to kick the ball to the Seahawks, who could theoretically score very quickly. They would still have the ball. They could onside kick it, and then they would again have the ball and uh, go for whatever it was going to take at that point, a field goal or another touchdown. Yes, it's unlikely, but that is why in those situations when they don't have any more timeouts and you have enough after you've gotten that first down, you slide so that they never get to touch the ball again, no matter how outside the chances that all that's going to happen. That is why you slide in that position. Now, 
I don't blame Mason even in the slightest for wanting his tutty. He was knocked out of bounds just before the end zone. But what a great play. What a cool way to ice the game. The 49ers got the ball, took a knee. And that's why they took a knee as well, rather than just punching it in from a yard out, because they did not want the Seahawks to get to touch the ball again in that game. They wanted that division. Defensively, not bad at all. Not bad. Not as It wasn't as squeaky clean as we've been spoiled with. The Seahawks did manage to score down there late in the game. But when you look at the possessions in this game, this is a dominant performance from that defense. Here are the Seahawks' possessions for this game. Punt, punt, punt. Second quarter, punt, field goal, fumble, punt. Third quarter, field goal. Fourth quarter, punt, punt, touchdown. That is a solid defensive performance in a game that maybe shouldn't have been as close as it was. Nick Bosa had a a personal foul against him on a play where he forced an interception. It was picked off and taken back to the house. Um, There there was also a a Seahawks play negated by a penalty that I can't just exactly remember what it was. But overall, solid, very good performance by a defense that looked just as dominant as they ever have. I mean, look at the plays per drive for the Seahawks. 5, 3, 3, 3, 12. It's a field goal. Four, three, ten. That's a field goal. And then they had ten, but they still had to punt. Three for negative 13 yards. And then finally that seven-play drive to score a touchdown. The offense, again, it was the strong performances from some people that sometimes they seemed like they were sputtering. They did their patented lapping the opponent. They scored a touchdown right at the end of the game. And then they scored a touchdown to open up the third quarter. And then they had a punt. They had a punt. They had a missed field goal. And then there's the end of the game. So not as bad, but that missed field goal really kind of loomed large. It kept the Seahawks within one possession. Um, Just kind of something that, although they won the game, it kind of made you a little bit nervous because of the the fact they were eight points behind. But just another dominant game from the defense. And I like the fact that they gave up that touchdown. I'll tell you why. Keeps that defense just a little bit sharper, a little bit more pissed off, just a little bit grumpier, a little less cocky, just – Gave them in a dominant effort. If you watch that game, you will see a dominant defensive performance, but it just keeps them a little more edgy, you know, a little more, a little more frustrated, you know, just kept everyone, just gave them a, a little tiny slice of humble pie. You know what I mean? So not something I'm worried about right right now. Bosa has successfully tied his, his personal best of 15.5 sacks. He's got three games to go. Can he get 20? Doesn't matter. Dude's getting paid $30 million a year, and no one's going to bat an eye. And he should have had a couple more. Again, he had a sack that forced an interception for a touchdown that was called back to, although he said he agreed with the call, he's just hoping he doesn't get, he just doesn't want to get it fined. It's a bullshit call. Nick Bosa sacked Geno Smith. And I believe they called the flag on the fact that he was he put his weight down on him. It was a perfectly normal tackle. I think he had another one. Now, do they? What I want to know is, there was one sack that Nick Bosa had on Geno Smith where he threw the pass away, and it was intentional grounding. They should count that shit as a sack. If you hit a quarterback, and while you're hitting him, he throws the ball away and gets an intentional grounding. It, it, obviously, it's kind of an analytical play, and I know they keep try to keep stats pretty black and white. That should count as a sack if it doesn't already. 
Dre Greenlaw forced a huge fumble that was uh, in the second quarter that was recovered by Charvarius Ward. That led to one of the 49ers uh, touch the 49ers' second touchdown by Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I can't remember who it was was that was tackling Travis Homer, but Gr- Dre Greenlaw came flying out of nowhere, blasted him, knocked the ball out, picked up by Ward, returned. Ward, by the way, um, was being diagnosed for a concussion in this game, passed the test, was able to return to the field, but apparently Kyle Shanahan saw something that he did not like, and he did not put Ward back in, which I applaud Shanahan for, especially after that really scary Devontae Parker clip. I'm sure you guys have seen that, where Nelson Aguilar ends the play himself, tells the refs to stop the play, do not run this play. He's swinging his arms around because Parker had caught a ball the previous play, came down on his head, struggled to get up, We had to be helped back to the huddle. He stumbles out to his spot on the line, can barely stand pre-snap in his in his stance, and that's when Aguilar's just waving the playoff. I don't think he has the authority to call timeout, but he makes the ref stop the game because it was clear that Parker had a concussion. Maybe Shanahan saw something similar with Ward and was like, nope, I'm not putting him back in. So I applaud Shanahan for that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's go look at the quick little box score. Diamador Lenore with 10 total tackles and a tackle for loss. Then you've got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, the new elite pair of 49ers linebackers, both with eight total tackles. Greenlaw added two pass breakups and that forced fumble. 
Even Ward had six total tackles, two pass breakups, and that fumble recovery. Tiano Hufunga had an active game, dropped a would-be interception, four tackles, one sack, one pass breakup, one forced fumble. Man, Nick Bosa, two tackles, one sack, three quarterback hits, one tackle for loss, one pass breakup. Pretty well-rounded effort. They got after it. They got after it, and they were hitting Geno Smith and making him uncomfortable. Tyler Lockett was held to seven catches for 68 yards. Whoa, I accidentally clicked out of my stats page. Tyler Lockett, seven kit. Wait, now it says seven catches? What the hell did they change? Okay, seven catches for 68 yards. Maybe it was seven the whole time. DK Metcalf, seven catches for 55 yards. Ward followed him around most of the game. Uh, the couple of, of DK Metcalf's bigger catches came when Ward was out with that concussion. So, that's a solid effort all around. It was a great victory for the 49ers, who just have so much momentum now at 10-4. and four. They've put a huge dent in the Seattle Seahawks' playoff hopes. They're now 7-7. Seven and seven. And the 49ers have three more games, and if they could win those three games, there is a decent chance that the Vikings may drop at least one of theirs. Like I said, Colts at home, that seems like a win for the Vikings. Giants at home, seems like a win for the Vikings, but the Giants... They can they can get squirrely. They're they're in the mix. Uh, at Packers, that seems like a loss to me. And the Packers have just enough swag and irritation at basically what's kind of like a a wasted season for them. That I think they could give the Vikings a run for their money. And then you've got at Bears, which could go either way with that. You know what I mean? Like the Bears are not good, but Justin Fields and that that offense has just enough unpredictability to throw something at the Vikings. So. There's there's the chance of a loss in there and the 49ers scooping up into that number seed. But anyways, y'all know what time it is. You know what time it is. It is takeaway time. I want one of those horns right now. Takeaway time. I don't know, but whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, we're starting at the top and right up top is JF. Too fresh. Ah, Victory Friday is going to be sweet. I said this last. Yeah, I know. You know what? Good point here. The 49ers don't play again until next Saturday, I believe. Let me let me double check this motherfucking schedule. Yes, they don't play again until next Saturday, Christmas Eve, against the Commanders. So the 49ers have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a little bit more Saturday to get healthy. It's like a little miniature bye that they can just sit there and sit around the fire and enjoy like a like a s'more, you know, like a marshmallow. You could just sit around the fire and kind of just smile and just feel good about what you're doing in that moment. That's how the 49ers can feel right now. You know, you're just sitting around a fire. It's Christmas Eve. There's a Christmas tree there. Everybody's asleep. You're sitting there with your hot cocoa and you're just enjoying life. That is how the 49ers are going to feel for the next week and a half with that mini buy. At just an absolutely crucial time at the end of the season, a nice distance away from their last bye, which was in week nine. So it's going to feel a little bit like a bye. Brock Purdy's going to get some rest. All these guys that are just slightly banged up, which is everybody, by the way. It's football. Everybody's banged up. It's, it's, a, it's a great scenario for the 49ers. They're coming off that win against the Seahawks. They've secured the division. They could all... Just take them tomorrow off, maybe even Saturday off too, maybe even Sunday off too, and just rest. 
it wouldn't surprise me if Shanahan was in that locker room just going, hey, I do not want to see you guys until Monday. You know, and, and that is other than people that need to come in and see trainers and come in and get worked on. I don't know if they're going to take that big of a, a break. I doubt it. But this team just needs rest and they need to get healthy and then they need to get back on the grind. And the commanders are no slouch. I love the way the commanders play football. They have the worst name. Please, Commander, you are our last hope. That's all I can think of whenever I say it. But, Galaxy Quest, I like the way they play football. They remind me of the 49ers, you know, and I'm a huge fan of Terry McLaurin. So that game's no slouch. None of these games are slouches. We know how that is. Anyways, let's get to your takeaways. I completely went off on a tangent. I was in the middle of JF2 Fresh's takeaway, and I just wandered off because he said Victory Friday is going to be sweet. I said this last week, and I'm going to repeat it. This is too fresh again. Purdy sees everything slow, and he isn't forcing anything. You can tell the four years at Iowa State prepared him for this moment. He's taking advantage of all his weapons per Debo. Get busy. Yeah, I agree, man. And we, we'd already mentioned it leading up to here. He just seems chill. He seems compo- com- composed, calm. Um, he's, he's accurate. He's on point. He's not making any stupid decisions. He's not turning the ball over, which is a huge deal. Yeah, I agree, man. And and seriously, four years at Iowa State, bigger conference, started all four years. You can't, you know, against solid competition, you just can't can't replace that kind of experience. So, I agree. I agree. Omar Figueroa, Omar Figs, good friend of mine, love him. Purdy with no turnovers and the dub. See, look at this. Look at this. We're just all on the same page together. I just mentioned no turnovers with a little emphasis, and here comes Omar Figs. McCaffrey and Kittle stepped up for the Debo-less offense. That's a good point. I haven't really mentioned that yet. I agree. Jordan Mason wants to be out there. 49ers are looking legit. Yeah, I, I do think the 49ers should probably give Mason maybe three or four more touches than he got, maybe a little more. Um, but it's hard to I think it's hard for them to do that when McCaffrey is so effective and his dynamic that he adds to every play stresses defenses out. You know, like McCaffrey in the backfield could mean a run, could mean a route out of the backfield, could mean a screen, could mean, you know, and, and they could do all those things with Jordan Mason, but the threat is just not as significant. So that's why I think McCaffrey dominates the touches. But yeah, I, I do love Jordan Mason in his game. Brady has a purdy mouth. He, he's got an awesome picture of him enjoying the game in Seattle, going nuts, I'm assuming, after the win. Yeah, it looks like the stands are clearing out pretty quick, suckers. <laughs> a huge W against the divisional rival to secure a playoff spot. What if it was also my first NFL game? Sounds like a slice of fried gold. Man, congrats. Congrats, dude. Glad you were able to be there for the win. Looks like it was a great time. Mike McVay, Michael McVay, NFC West champs. Bosa got a sack. Defense was amazing again. Purdy was incredible given the environment he played in. Niners are unstoppable. Just need Red Sox with those uniforms for a true 94 throwback. I was a senior in high school that year. Go Niners. So you were a senior in high school in 94. Okay, so you're 10 years older than me, Mike. I was a senior in high school in 04. So at least we're in in, in similar generations. 
Yeah, I mean, everything did go really well for the 49ers. I don't think the score necessarily reflects the ebb and flow of the game, but that game was also, I say that, but that game could have very well gotten out of hand for the 49ers on that last drive when the Seahawks had a chance to to go down the field. But the defense put their stamp on it. So, guys, people really thought there wasn't going to be QB drama next year. Love Charverius Ward barking back at DK and playing physical. Yeah, Ward was matched up against Metcalf and lived up to the hype. He was all about it. I don't know how many completions Ward allowed DK in coverage. Ward set himself set himself up for an interception where DK had to grab the back of his jersey and pull him down, and he got an offensive pass interference call. He was every bit up to that matchup. Ward is that guy. Defense had Geno fuming at his own guys, loved it. Yep. What's funny is they showed a clip of Geno talking to his offensive lineman after the first drive. And they were having a nice, like, civilized conversation. You know, oh, you know, I missed this block. And, and Geno's like, yeah, yeah, we got this. No, no worries, no worries. And then by the end of the game, things had just absolutely fallen apart for that crew. Also, T.O. at the one to avoid a delay of game. Kyle, timeout at the one to avoid a delay of game. Kyle, <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, I mean, I get what you mean. Like, what's the penalty? Half a yard? But, I mean, I think it had just as much to do with the fact that they just needed to figure their shit out. Dave, David had put Purdy Woman, and it's a it's a photoshopped Pretty Woman poster where Richard Greer is Kyle Shanahan and Julia Dre... Is it Julia Dreyfus? No, not Dreyfus. What's her name? Julia... Roberts, who's Julia Dreyfus? Is there one? Julia Dreyfus. I mean, it's, oh, it is. Okay, it's the, it, yeah, I know who Julia Dreyfus is. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, from Seinfeld, got it, got it, my bad. Darren, moving on, moving on. Funny Photoshop, David, that's a funny Photoshop. I like it. Darren said, small thing, but despite the usage complaints, with the game still on the line, Kyle trusted Mason to get the first and put the game away. He rewarded him with a 56-yarder. CMC and Mason might mean Mitchell doesn't need to rush back, even in Kyle's eyes. I 100% agree. Now, Mitchell did look great in relieving CMC. You know, maybe a step above what Mason gives you, but that is absolutely no slight to Mason. I feel like he can really be uh, a one-two punch in addition to Mitchell, if he's back, or that would be a three-headed beast. But um, I think Mason doesn't give you that much of a drop-off with Mitchell out. But we all know that when Mitchell was in, he was looking great. So either way, CMC has a a, a, a running back to pair with. Uh, JGCPA2120, here's my takeaway. I I didn't believe people who talked up Purdy's athleticism. But it really came through today. It made a difference. It really did. And again, it's look at the speed at which he can bail out of a pocket. Look at the speed in which he can make a defender miss or put on the brakes and make a swim move. He does his his, his twitch muscles are quick. His fast twitch muscles are adept at doing what he needs to do. Now, if you put him on a, a 40, I didn't even I'm gonna look let's look it up right now. Let's do this right now. Uh Brock Purdy draft profile. He was at the combine, so we should have just a, a suite of statistics. Let's see. He ran a 4-8 40-yard dash, which, let me be clear. A 4-8 40-yard dash is not slow. 
a 4-8 40-yard dash is fast enough to not look like a fool on an NFL field. And I think a lot of people, you know, they get awed by these 4-3 40s, which is incredibly fast. But, I mean, like, you can you are fast in, in anywhere in the mid-fours. And 4-8 for a quarterback is solid, especially when you consider his fast-twitch muscles look like they're very good. So 4-8 is not slow. I think that a lot of people think that because it's higher up in the fours, if you saw a dude that ran a 4-8 run right by you, you'd be like, damn! You know, that dude was flying. And I believe he has another stat, whether it's the 20-yard shuffle at 4-4 or three-cone drill at 7-2, that shows his short area of quickness is solid. So, interesting. Interesting. Uh, let's get back to the takeaways. So his athleticism is there, man, and he looks calm in the pocket, but he, he knows when to bail out. He knows when to make a defender miss, and I think that ath- that athleticism is going to serve him and maybe give him that slight edge over Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Jimmy Garoppolo has a slight edge in uh, arm strength and maybe quickness of a release, although Purdy's is very good, but Purdy, Purdy definitely has an advantage in terms of um, – Running ability, speed, quickness, short area quickness, the ability to kind of scramble around. Uh, Cove lol, C-O-V-L-O-L. Purdy looked great versus pressure against Tampa Bay last week and now looked good versus coverage. He can take this team to the show. If he continues to play how he is now, he can do it. He can do it, period. Chris Wall. Refs still have to gift Seattle to keep them in games. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. I feel like the 49ers got some calls, but a lot of the ones that the Seahawks got were just like, Come the hell on. Kyle showed the creativity we've been looking for. Yeah, he, oh yeah. I mean, both Kittle touchdowns, scheming a guy wide open like that is beautiful. Third and Juwan continues. Yes, yes, it does. CMC was always worth the trade. I always agreed. Maybe that was a little biased because he was on my fantasy team and I was like, hell yeah, but it, it was always worth it. it, it people like, because Christian McCaffrey battled with injury for a couple of years, they forgot what that dude was capable of you're talking thousand yard rushing thousand yard receiving like hello before this game i never tweeted it but i had it before this game in the seven games that christian mccaffrey has been with the 49ers before this game i had this tweet i didn't end up sending it out but i'll give it to you guys because i love you 89 carries this was before tonight 426 yards that's 4.8 yards per carry three touchdowns 35 catches 316 yards, that's nine yards per reception, three touchdowns, one passing touchdown, expanded over the season. McCaffrey's in the neighborhood of 1,000 rushing yards, 750 receiving yards, and about 14 total touchdowns. And people were upset about what they traded for him. You're getting nearly 2,000 yards of offense out of one player. How could you possibly not want that? And McCaffrey had already proven he could do things like that. Yeah, he had a couple years of injuries, but the dude is clearly still the dude. I mean, listen to him talk. Look at the way he looks. He had some bad injury luck, but that guy is is moving. And then underneath that tweet that I had sent to myself, it's a picture of Willem Dafoe, but it says Willem Dafuck. <laughs> Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, but you're probably just sitting there like, that's not funny, Lana. I think it's hilarious. And he's got like a surprised look on his face. Well, I'm the fuck. Anyways, all right, back to the takeaways that I continue to just wander away from him like a jerk. 
Brock, okay, we're still on Chris Wall. Brock played better than most all recent Niner quarterbacks in Seattle. Yeah, I, I think you might be right there. Jordan Mason. Yep. Putting the nail in the coffin. Busted Huff play again. Yep. 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 It, it, it's, uh, Talano Hufunga gives you gives you great stuff and he gives you bad stuff. You know, he's young. I expect that to round into form. Jeffrey K. Lyles, to quote the great B. To quote the great big, sky is the limit with this team. Really fun season so far. I feel like I should know who big is. You're not talking about like big smalls? Anyways, I know I'm failing you guys. I feel like I consistently fail you guys, but really fun season so far. They're 10 and 4 now. The sky is the limit, man. Like, Again, you're going to see this double-edged sword. Brock Purdy's going to get more practice. He's going to get reps. He's going to get more comfortable. Defenses are going to start to hone in on what he can't do, but can he stay ahead of that curve? Poppy Joe, not much of a takeaway. Nick Bosa admitting his roughing the passer call was the right call was just now interesting. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't want to get fined. Watch that play, man. He just tackles the dude. Like, it's it's football. It's wild. Danny. He has a bunch of ends. It's not Danny. It's Danny. Party mania just won't quit. I'm riding this train until the wheels fall off. You and I both, man. Like, um, I'm here, dude. It's fun to watch. Let's do it. Lilo Veritas. Did I say Lilo Veritas? Like Lilo and Stitch? Leo Veritas. The team is so fun to watch. I'm hopeful and excited to see how far in the playoffs we go. Also, Shanahan in his bag. The double fake screen touchdown to Kittle was mean. I think somebody from the Seahawks said after that game that he ain't ever seen no play like that. <laughs> I appreciate you too, Leo. Thanks, man. Uh, it is fun to watch, dude. And the 49ers just have this weird knack for keeping things interesting. You get to watch an elite defense, an all-time great defense. Let's go back to I still have the 49ers schedule up here. Okay, over the last how many weeks? Let's see. There's 20. There's 37. Zero. There's 47. There's 63. There's 77. Okay, going all the way back to the Chiefs. So since the 49ers started winning, they've allowed 77 points in what I believe is seven games. Let's count them again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's just over seven, ten points a game. 11 points a game. What the hell? That's unbelievable. That's basically saying on average... The 49ers offense only needs to score 12 points to win. Score a touchdown and kick two field goals, and you win on average if you're the 49ers. That's crazy. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ryan. Oh, man, you are challenging me with this last name, Ryan. Keo? Ryan Keo. K-E-O-U-G-H. I see Keo or Keo. You got to let me know, man. You got to let me know on Twitter. Kyle Shanahan should be favorite for coach of the year. You know what? I agree. Who, what other coach has started with their Trey Lance, started with their Trey Lance, started with Trey Lance, then started with Jimmy Garoppolo and is now starting with a seventh round rookie and winning games. Man. If the 49ers like end this season in a positive note, how could he not be the favorite? I got to start looking at the odds. I wonder what they what they are right now. Coach of the year odds NFL 
Coach of the Year odds tracker. Sport sports betting dime. I don't know if this is this is the the okay. Uh, who do I look at? Okay, Dan Campbell, Nick Sirianni, Dan Campbell, Robert Sala, Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, his odds have just plummeted in a good way, I believe. In terms of being the favorite. Okay, here it is. Kyle Shanahan is now plus 3,000. But he was just like three weeks ago. He was plus 10,000. Now over the last three weeks or three or four weeks, he's all the way down to plus 3,000. Nick Sirianni is the favorite at minus 380. You know, the odds on favorite, I believe that's Eagles. But you should see Kyle Shanahan's odds going down, 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 down. So after this game, I guarantee you that takes another sharp plunge for Kyle Shanahan. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know if he's going to get it. It doesn't really fucking matter, but I think you got a great point saying that he should be the favorite. Uh, Josh said, do we rest players week 18? Uh, I think it, it just depends on if they really want the two seed, if they can get it. You know, I, I just depends on how that unfolds. But if that if it comes down to it and beating the Cardinals in week 18 secures you that two seed, I think you go for it. I think you go for it because, one, the Cardinals are not going to be in tip-top shape. They don't have Kyler Murray anymore. They're kind of in shambles. You could probably rest a couple people and, and still get that win. But to me, I think being able to host home playoff games all the way through the NFC portion of the playoffs until you get to the NFC championship game. And that's the thing here. And if I'm reading this right, if the Eagles somehow magically get knocked out of the playoffs, which they don't look like they deserve that, they look up to the task. But then as now that they've claimed the number two seed, the NFC championship game would be in, if the 49ers made it there, would be in Santa Clara. Now, if, if the Vikings stay in the playoffs, which they don't necessarily seem up to the task, then they would host it because they'd be the higher seed. So I, I think that number two seed's pretty important, and I think there's some validity to just staying not fresh because obviously you, you know, you risk getting hurt in football games, but 49ers would keep playing. You know, you would stay locked in. You would stay in in form you know you would stay warmed up i guess you could say but yeah i don't know i i don't i don't think they rest players week 18 but if it's out of reach they 100 percent do if it's in play i think they're going for it ymj purdy's the best quarterback on the on the roster until trey proves me wrong again uh i mean i agree i i i don't know if purdy's quite done enough to just be outright given the best quarterback in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think if if it was just Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, he would have earned the right to compete within him, let's say in an alternate universe where they're both competing less next season. But Brock Purdy has already proved more than Trey Lance. He already has. There's, there, that's incontestable. John David, fuck it. Niners can absolutely beat the Eagles in the playoffs. There, I said it. I agree, man. With a defense as ruthless as the 49ers, one the likes the Eagles have never faced. And, I mean, the Eagles are no slouch defense either. But 
I mean, things just go awry. Think of as much as you don't want to think about it. Think of the Super Bowl when the 49ers were playing the Chiefs, when the Chiefs were just absolutely ethering people. And for the first three quarters of that game, you were like, holy shit, the Niners are doing it. They are beating these guys up. This is the Chiefs. You know what I mean? It's that same type of feeling that in any game, the Niners can just wipe the floor with you, and it doesn't matter how prepared you are. Dream sickle. It's Purdy's job to lose from now on. We may be getting there. We may be getting there. It's, we may be there. I don't know. It's close. Christopher Gonzalez, NFC West champs, baby. Couldn't possibly ask for more, but just to stay healthy. Appreciate you, Rob. I appreciate you, Chris. Saying appreciate you is one of the absolute, uh, one of my absolute go-tos. I think you guys picked up on that, but I appreciate you, Chris. I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody in these comments. DJ Cabral. Good win. Would like to see Mason get more snaps. I agree. I think he could probably do for maybe four or five more just so McCaffrey doesn't get ran into the ground to, to any to any extent. Scott and Martin, this kid is him. This is the best quarterback play we've seen since Steve. We've had since Steve. He's poised, smart, and fearless. He's the present and future of the franchise, period. I mean, I admire your enthusiasm. I'm not sure if I'm ready to proclaim that stuff yet, but I'm not going to argue with you now that you are. Christian Novato, Traverius Ward, Lockdown, Metcalf, and Big Play Dre. I love it. He did, man. Every time there was uh, something happening between Ward and Metcalf, and they were in Metcalf's head, too. They got him a 15-yard penalty. I love it. Bobby, takeaway time. Start holding these fucking refs accountable. It's getting ridiculous. You know, I wish there was some level of accountability i'm sure there is we know that these guys have their meetings talk about what they did right and what they did wrong i'm not going to pretend like they don't but they're certainly still not getting everything right and i think there needs to be some slight adjustments in the rules to make it to where one defensive players aren't just asked to do the world in order to avoid these penalties that are kind of just it's getting to the point where the refs have too big of an impact on the game they're there to control the chaos and to make sure we're still playing football. But at this point, it started to get to a point where it's like, damn, really? Niner Mikey, last but certainly not least, unless we rest everybody, we sweep the West. You mean, unless we rest everybody, we sweep the West. Oh, I get what you mean. Oh, yes, I get what you mean. The 49ers, unless we we somehow make it to where we to where the 49ers rest players against the Cardinals in that last game. If they beat the Cardinals in that last game, they would have gone 6-0 in the division, beating the Seahawks twice, the Cardinals twice, and the Rams twice. I want to know the last time the 49ers did that shit, because that's awesome. That is the last of the motherfucking takeaways. Man, I just, I'm having fun with this, guys. I hope you're having fun listening to it. Um, I know I owe you another co-host. I'm just being very picky about it. I got to be honest. Look, I, the two co-hosts I've been lucky enough to have, have in Crocker and KP, I felt like we had instant chemistry with. And I want to get that again. And, and I'm very, I'm telling you, very picky about who that can be. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking. I'm constantly considering, you know. But. I just don't want the atmosphere of this pod to ever change. Ever change. And I'm looking right now at a picture of Trey Lance hugging 
Brock Purdy in the end, in the locker room after the game with just the biggest smile on his face. That will bring a uh, that will bring a tear to your eye right there, man. I just I look at the I've I've been coaching football for uh, eight years now, and I just it just helps me look at the game in like a completely different lens. You know, I just I get so much more emotional about the game because you know you go you know you go through that stuff with teams and you watch them break their hearts and you watch them pick each other up and you watch them have successes so when i see the 49ers succeed i almost see it from a lens of a coach if that makes sense i see it from a lens as if i was coaching these players or a coach on that sideline and it just it, it makes me love the game so much more and anyways that's it for takeaways that's it for the pod that was i don't know if I'm probably entertaining to myself, but that was a, one of the quickest 52 minutes I've ever had on this pod. I mean, we're just having fun out here, man. We're just having fun out here. Um, I appreciate everybody who was all up in those takeaways. I mean, you're just such a massive part of the pod now. You're you're a part of the pod. You know, it's like you are one of us. It is what it is. He is him. Right? Anyways. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you're downloading. Please make sure you're subscribing. Please try to jump on whatever app you're listening to and leave us a great review. I just, you know, support the pod if you can. But the fact that you're listening right now is already the ultimate form of support. So again, we're not going to uh, we're not going to hear from the 49ers on the football field until about a week and a half from now, next weekend on the Saturday before Christmas Eve. Um, in the meantime, we will 100% do another pod, uh, before that game, even before that game, like we'll have a preview game for the command, a preview pod for the commanders game, but we're going to get one in between then next week to, uh, early next week to kind of, uh, you know, we'll, maybe we'll probably hit one on Monday to kind of wrap up the way things have progressed within the division. And then we'll hit one later in the week. Um, to just preview that game I mean we're we're rolling we're, we're rolling we're rolling that's that is what it is right I, mean, I almost said let's ride and then I was like no corny tornado stole it anyways I love you guys thank you for listening to striking gold but obviously I need to get out of here I'm just rambling on I love y'all thank you for listening for an ev- another episode I'm Rob this is striking gold we are signing out